one of the elders here at Resurrection Life Church. And um, I'm also the leader of our life care ministry. I know we were talking a little bit about connecting, so it's a great opportunity to connect with life cares, even if they're not in session. Get a hold of the life care leaders and get connected. It's important. I am so blessed to be part of a body of believers under the leadership of some great pastors. And those great pastors, I don't know, they, they challenge me, they encourage me, they motivate me to grow in God. You know, it's so important to be growing in God's word and understanding of the promises and the wisdom that comes from that word. You know, it's so important to be fortified with the hedge of protection that God gives us when we follow him. You know, over the last couple of weeks, hopefully you've been learning that God gives us, develops path for us in the wilderness and makes rivers for us in the deserts. I think that's awesome. For those of you who um, like titles of messages, uh, the one that the Lord led me to talk about today is called Open the Windows and Shut the Gates. And I don't know about you, but don't, don't you love it on a, on a nice crisp day like today to go home, open up your windows, let some fresh air in? You know, I, I, I don't like it when it gets kind of stale. I, I, I like to have that, that, that fresh air coming in, and I think God wants to put a fresh air in our lives too. And so I just hope I can encourage you in, in that area today. You know, we're, we're entering a time of the... Um, we call the holiday season. And I, I don't know about you, I believe the fields are white for harvest. I think people's hearts during this time of year are so softened to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially in 2020. And I just think God's people need to be prepared to open up the windows of heaven in others' lives to see the light of the world, who is Jesus Christ. We need to be on guard and shut the gates to darkness because I can tell you right now, time is growing short and things are getting darker. But God's light can get brighter through us. So I'd like to share some uh, stories today from, from the Word of God about situations and stories about how the windows of heaven were open in the lives of the people. So if you could bow your heads, I'd like to pray. Father God, we just thank you that he that has ears to hear what you will have to say to us today and apply it to our lives. You prayed that your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Today, I pray you will open the eyes of people's understanding concerning your word and how it works, and that you will continue to do a work in all of us to bring into the fullness of God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's a lot of things coming at us today and, and, and lately that influence our lives and we need to be both prepared for opportunities and on guard for dangers. I don't know about you, but I feel like what's going on in the world today between the coronavirus, a new president, the economy, social unrest, social distancing, lack of connecting with others, and who knows what tomorrow will bring is creating a lot of cares in our lives. I really sense in this world right now that in, in many ways people are getting choked about the worries and the fears that are coming at us. And I just want to read in Mark 4, 19 in the voice translation where it says, but the things in this life, the worries, the drives for more and more, the desires for other things, those things that cluster around close and choke out the life of God out of them until they cannot produce. You know, true fulfillment is really found in God. 
the things of this world will leave you empty. One of my favorite verses that I read all the time is Colossians 3, verse 2, that says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this world. I got a question for you. Where is your mindset today? Are we focused on what it used to be? Are we remembering the former things instead of beholding and allowing God to do a new thing like Pastor was talking about last week? You know, when our focus is on things, you know, we're, we're actually, we, we get into a type of bondage and we don't even realize it. In Romans 8.15, in the voice translation, it says, You see, you have not received a spirit that returns you to slavery, so you have nothing to fear. The spirit you have received adopts you and welcomes you into God's own family. That's why we can call up to, out to him, Abba, Father, as we would address a loving daddy. Praise God, we can call God daddy. You know, God led his people out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. And yet there was, a, there was quite a few people that had a spirit of discontent come upon them, and they longed for a few good things about their past, like how good the lamb stew was and how good the leeks and the onions were when they were back in Egypt. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a food guy, so it's, it's, it's amazing to me that people complain about today's food and tend to only remember the good food in the past. I'm confident to say that in Egypt there was a few bad meals. You know, we need to thank God for his provision for today. Thank God for his daily bread. And he, he sustains us every day, just like, just like he did with the, God's people, with the manna and the quail. You know, he, God is, is, is there to provide for us each and every day. You know, we need to praise God that he loved us so much and allowed us to be adopted into the kingdom of heaven so that we can call him Abba Father or Daddy, Daddy. You know, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about a, a familiar passage in the book of Luke in chapter 15. There's a famous story called the uh, prodigal son. And I don't know about you, but I really think they should rename the story and call it the loving father. Because many of us have wandered away from our loving father and want the world to give me, give me, give me. And if you really read the story, you'll understand it's not about a, a son going away to squander off things and, and, and he's just getting this and getting that. It was about him coming back to a loving father who wanted to make him into a servant that he was always intended to be and be who God called him to be and, and, and do what God called him to do. It's about what God makes us to be. And I just feel like in, in, in God's word, there's a, there's a continuing theme about how he's continually inviting us to connect with him and to resolve the heals and the cares that we are experiencing because everybody's going through stuff. Everybody is. And it's always great to know that we can go back and connect with God. And, and, and when you read John 15, verses 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation, it says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't pr produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. And I just, it, it, as you read this, I want you to notice that, that it starts out, it says, he is the true vine. Now, that would indicate to me that there's, there's a few false vines out there. And, and the problem is a, a lot of people are getting connected 
with the wrong team or they're, or they're, or they're worshiping stuff like money, which is the wrong idol, or they're looking at graven images when they're not looking at God. And it's so important that we make, you know, that connection with the true vine. We go on to read in verse 2, and it says, Jesus makes a distinction between two different types of pruning. The first one, it says, he cuts off the branches. He cuts off the branches of the trunk because they don't produce any fruit. These are the type of branches that oppose God, and they can infect some of the branches that are currently connected. You know, there's some, there's some people that need to get disconnected because they're, in, they're wrongfully influencing other people in the body of Christ. And if they don't change their ways, God's going to prune them. And it also goes on to talk, you know, not, not everyone that we run into that says they're a Christian is a Christian. The Bible says that we will know them by their fruit. And the things inside a person will eventually come out of that person. You know, real fruit is when you love more and you have an expanded revelation from God's word of what love is and you're so overflowing with it that you want to share it with others. And the same thing holds true for, for joy and for peace and self-control. God will fill you with these things, and you keep reading, reading his word about what it says about love, what it says about joy, and pretty soon that overflowing that he's going to pour into your lives is going to rub off to others. That's what fruit is. That's how you'll know them by their fruit. It goes on to say he... He prunes other branches that do produce fruit in order to produce more fruit. You know, four, four years ago, um, one of the members here at church was uh, blessed Don and I with a, with a, uh, a, a tree that was planted in, in, in honor of our son, Jonathan. And it was so neat because it was, my, my wife likes to sit this one chair and she'd look out the window and I had this tree. And, and I think it was a Zandia tree. I could be wrong, but it's a, it's a really cool tree. But um, it, it just grew so fast to a point where it was like leaning. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I got I, I to gotta, I gotta prune this thing. And I can remember I just went out there and just did the best I can and pruned it. And, and I came in. I was all worried about my wife being upset about it because it was really, it's kind of like a short haircut. And, but God is so faithful because this year, I mean, it just bloomed so beautifully. And, and God's word is so true. You know, there's times in our life that we need to understand the pruning process. The pruning process decreases what is seen on the outside so that it can allow the root system that we can't see to increase. God works from the inside out in our lives. There's times that... that We'll have things happen in our life. I'm, you know, pruning can be a cunning away that hurts. You know, you may be sitting here and, and, and you lost a friend. You could be sitting here and your marriage is in trouble. You lost a marriage. You could be sitting here and you lost a mom and dad. You could be sitting here and you lost a child. And it hurts. And I only have one thing to say about that. Even though you don't understand, stay connected to the true vine and your healing will begin. Stay connected. You know, God's word talks about how we need to decrease so that he can increase. I think that's true with the with the root system that he wants to grow within us. It's, it's, the, it's the things that you do. It's the reading the Bible when nobody else is seeing you. It's the studying of the word behind the scenes. You know, th this is a great church and you can get filled each week, but there's more. There's more that you need to do. And 
We just need to abide in him, remain in him, trust in him, and have dependent confidence on who God is. You know, I think the greatest revelation that you'll ever have is when you realize that Jesus has removed the obstacle of sin that blocked you from getting eternal life. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. You know, we, we were all lost in this world from the moment we were born until the time that we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And when you think about it, the, the first man and woman were lost after they were sinned. Adam and Eve were sinning, and they were led that they, they could play a hide-and-go-seek game with God. That didn't go over too well. And I'm just reminded that we all need to find God. When we do, when we find God, the process of opening up windows of heaven will start to begin in our lives, and God has an opportunity to pour in blessings. I just want to show you an artist's rendition of what it's like to have the windows of heaven open and God pour out the blessings. When I, when I saw this, this picture, I, I could only think of what it says in John 7, 38, when it says, rivers of living water will flow from the heart of the one who puts trust in me. God wants to pour into our lives. You know, and, and, and I just want to talk a little bit more about the windows of heaven. There's a, there's a law of first mention in the Bible. It's a concept where the first time an idea or concept was mentioned in the Bible, it's the most understandable reference upon which all other scriptures on that word or subject is built upon later in the Bible. And the first time we see the windows of heaven mentioned was in Genesis chapter, chapter 7, and it said it was, uh, it was in the 600th year of Noah's life. Boy, that's a long time to live. In the second month and 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven opened. And we skip down a little bit further to uh, Genesis 8 where it says the fountains also the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was also restrained. And I'm just reminded of the, um, you know, the times of Noah. I mean, can, can you imagine it hadn't even rained? They didn't know what rain was. It was all just dry ground. And Noah and his family were, you, you know, God prompted them to build an ark, and people were mocking and ridiculing this guy for building a boat when there's no water. And, you know, I mean, that takes faith. Think of the faith that Noah had. And, and, it, and it took so much faith that you can, we can read about it in Hebrews 11, which is the book of faith. And, and I just wanted to read in Hebrews 11:7 in the Passion Translation where this says, faith opened Noah's heart to receive a revelation and warning from God about what was coming, even things that have never been seen. But he stepped out in reverence, reverent obedience to God and built the ark that would save him and his family. By his faith, the world was condemned, but Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes by believing. And, you know, I, I think even today, you know, we have to be on guard. We, we have to open our hearts today because there, there may be a warning that God's going to be giving us. Don't be surprised. Be in tune. Listen to God's still small voice. Because there's time, there, there may be times coming where we need to hear that makes total nonsense, just like it did to Noah. But are you willing to step out in faith? We need to be. And I, I'm reminded, too, you know, when I read the story about God's protection against the gates of hell. In, in Isaiah 59, 19, in the Passion Version, it says, When the enemy comes in, the spirit of Yahweh, like a flood, will lift up a standard against him. So God's, you know, God's got, will get you prepared 
when that time comes, to be, to be ready. But if it's important that we, we are listening and uh, be intent to what God is saying. And, you know, speaking of the, the, the windows of heaven, if, if you read further in Genesis, you'll, you'll see how God opened the windows of heaven to feed the people manna. And then God will open the windows of heaven to feed them quail. I mean, you know, God had water gushing out of a rock. I mean, there's time after time where you see the windows of heaven and God pouring into his people. And I just want to transition a little bit and talk about a gentleman by the name of Daniel. And um, I don't know how much you know about the, the book of Daniel, but um, they they were trying to find stuff against Daniel. Daniel was an upright person, a great man of God. And, but they didn't, there, there was people or, the, the, you know, some of the leaders that didn't like that, that Daniel was, was, was worshiping the true God because they, they were worshiping probably false gods. And they went to this guy who was king, King Darius, and get him, got him to sign a decree for 30 days, the people could not worship anybody but King Darius. So that's in direct violation with the first commandment that Moses brought down saying, thou, thou shalt not have any gods before me. And so we, we, we pick up the story in, in, uh, in Daniel 6, verses 10 and 11, where it says, Now Daniel knew that the writing was signed. He went home, and in his upper room, with the windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom early in the days. You know, let me ask you a question. When, when, when you get upset, and, and Daniel had every right to be upset, is the first thing that you do is to pray? You know, prayer is not informing God about our situations or problems. It's really about requesting God to get involved. And we need God more involved in each area of our lives. You know, I, when, I, when, when I'm thinking about this story, I can't help but think if, if, if Kim Dar King Darius was, was, was in today's society, and uh, sometimes it, it, you know, they, he, we call it a decree. I guess the modern day translation would be an executive order. And just think if, if it was King Darius and he was here today and he says, you know, we must wear masks in public. We must stay six feet apart, no more than 50% capacity in public places. Restaurants got to close at 10 o'clock and pretty soon we're just going to be doing takeout only. You know, the way that the world gets decrees like that and the way the world reacts is, is like, oh, these masks are stupid. They're uncomfortable. They're, 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 they're messing up my hair. You know, this, this six feet apart thing, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. And, you know, doesn't, doesn't God know that I got more than 10 people in my family? And, and, and doesn't God know late at night I got the munchies and, and, and take out this kind of cold food? I, you know, do we complain and we murmur? And yet, when you look at someone like Daniel, I mean, think about it. He, he opened his windows and he had it faced in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem's very interesting because Jerusalem means peace. So rather than doing what the world says and going on social media and posting this and posting that, you know, why don't we do what Daniel did, WWDD, and pray to Jerusalem? Which, which is, by the way, where Jesus died and where he rose. Pray to Jerusalem the peace. Pray to God the answer. Thank God for his hedge of protection that he gives us 
from this terrible disease coming our way. Thank God that he works all things together for good. Because when we pray God's promises, we get God's answers. And we need to be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, I love this song when we sing Surrounded, because it says, when it looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Now, don't you want to be surrounded by God? And this is how we fight our battles. The battle really belongs to the Lord. And, and, and sometimes when we do our complaining and murmuring, we're not helping the battle. We got to look to God because he's going to help us with the battle. Okay, the, 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 the life, we, we, we have inconveniences here in this life, but it's so temporary. And we got to look way beyond that. But um, I got to go back where Daniel was a man of prayer. Prayer is about us to God. Too often in our lives, we've always, we want to focus us on God give me this and God do this for me. It's kind of like we wake up in the morning and we want to give God a to-do list. Don't let your prayer, list, prayer life be a to-do list. Let your, let your, learn, from, learn from Daniel. I mean, you know, I believe he pleaded for God's mercy, for his promise, promises, for his glorious intercession in heaven. He, you know, prayer is about calling, crying, knocking, seeking, asking, making supplications, pouring out your heart, lifting up your soul, lifting up holy hands. You know, Daniel gave thanks. Giving thanks is a, lot about, is a lot about what we should do in a prayer. I mean, look at what Daniel just experienced, and he gave thanks. He gave thanks for what God is doing, what God has done, and what God will do. God is in our past. God is in our present. God will be in our future. And we need to acknowledge that. Daniel humbled himself when he prayed. You know, the God who we were talking to, the circumstances we're in, and the punishment that we all deserve should inspire us to remain humble when we pray for anything. You know, many of us feel like we're in the lion's den right now with all the unrest and rioting and discontentment that surrounds our lives. Have you tried prayer to give you peace today. I believe Daniel used prayer to give him a peace that passes all understanding. Think about that. Prayer can give you a peace before the circumstance even hits you. Prayer will pass ahead or go ahead the circumstance that you're currently facing. No matter what circumstance you're in, God is faithful, God is good, God will keep you, God will provide you, and God will bless you. Prayer is a, is a faith that looks beyond your current circumstances to a God that works all things for good and for his glory. I want to transition and talk a little bit about uh, Malachi, because that's probably the most famous uh, caption of Windows of Heaven. And it's found in Malachi 3, and it's often read during tithes and offerings. And I just want to read it quickly. It says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, ye have gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye say, where shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but ye say, where have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, 
and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all the nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. You know, when I read this, this scripture, I'm just, the, the first thing that comes to me is I'm, I see how God's patience with us seems endless. God is so patient with us. God is ready to return to us if we are willing to return to him and be obedient. You know, during Malachi's day, the people weren't giving tithes. The Levites went to work and neglected their God-given responsibility to care for the temple and for the service of worship. You know, the, the thing that we have to always be reminded when it comes to tithing is everything belongs to God. He owns it all. God owns it all. And so when, when somebody struggles with me about the concept of tithing, I, I mean, I, that's where I go. And when we refuse to return a part of what God has given us, we, we're robbing him. The storehouse was a place in the temple for storing grain and other food given as tithes. The priests often lived off these gifts. We need to support those who serve God by ministering to the spiritual needs of others. You know, even when it says here, it says, it says, prove me or test me. You know, so often we read this and it's like, okay, you're giving me a test. No, it, God's talking to himself. God is taking the test, not us. You tithing is not taking the test. It's you being obedient to God's word. God opens up the windows of heaven and rebukes the devourer is their test to us. That's his test. So it's important to know God will do it for you. Tithing is obedience and blessing forthcoming to you. You know, as I was reading this, it's like notice how when we tithe, God opens you up. It doesn't say God gives you a blessing. It says he, got, he opened, God gives to you. In fact, I really, if I will not open you the windows of heaven. And to me, it corresponds very much with what it says in Deuteronomy 8.18 when it says, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Okay? It does not say he gives you wealth. It says he gives you power, ability, and favor to get wealth. You know, every time I, I, um, I think about tithing, I, 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 I started tithing in my life in 1992, I, I was I was saved before that, but I'm, I'm I'm like a lot of people. You get saved, but it takes a little, little bit longer for your wallet to get saved, Dave. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, I'm gonna I, I, I'm I, I I understand your word now. I need to do this. I want to do this, and so so I started tithing, and and it's got, listen. I'm like a, you'd like a return immediately. But it, it, it doesn't always work that way. But I, I, I still remember I had, been, I had been tithing for about two years. And un, unbeknownst to me, my, my company that I was working for was about ready to leave New York State. I was about to potentially lose my job. But I, I do believe God orders my steps and, and he was having another company um, interested in bringing me aboard. And I, I still remember going to that meeting in the office and um, I'm, I'm sitting with this, this uh, vice president. He was going to give me an offer to work for him and I had to make a decision whether I was going to stay where I was at or, or go with them. And you, you have to understand, when I was younger, doing something like this in front of an audience, I, I, I stuttered. So... I'll be glad I don't stutter because you'd be here a while. Um, but anyways, I, I, he, he made me an offer, and, 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 and I, I couldn't talk. I literally was going to say yes. And then the guy turned around, and he, and he says, okay, I'll give you an extra 
And I, I, I remember coming home to my wife, and I said, I, I, not only did I get a better offer, but he threw another 20% on top of it. And it's like, it's almost like God's rhema world. And, and I remember I had been tithing now for two years, and God was about ready to give me a return. And God is faithful. God rebukes the devourer for our sake. God closes the gates of hell. You know, Sometimes the windows of heaven opens first, and sometimes the adversary hits you first. You need to be prepared either way. I know it says in Galatians 6, 9, he says, let's not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. You know, your harvest is coming now, whether you see it now or not. Um, you know, we need to be on guard for our blind spots. You know, there's an enemy out there that roars at our weaknesses. And I can tell you right now, there's an enemy that roars on a lot of people who don't feel like they're financially successful. And I'm so glad the Bible gives graphic insight into the lives of people who felt like you and I. It shows their flaws and weaknesses and how in due time they experience God's victory. I don't know about you, but it gives me hope. When I read about people that, that, that struggled, you know, they're, they're, when, when we read in the Bible about where there's a famine, I mean, those are tough times. And people, people still glorify God in the midst of it. Um, now, I need to fast forward a little bit in my life because I've, I've, I've now worked for two different companies for the past 35 years. And all of a sudden, this past April, when... COVID hit, um, I was unexpectedly terminated from my job. And it was, it was difficult. It, it was difficult. I was unemployed for 73 days. And when that happens, you need to learn to trust God more than you ever have. Because you find out a lot about yourself. You really do. And, and, and I praise God that he gave me time to, to study and dig in his word. Um, but I needed to learn where my trust was. And, you know, I can sit, I can sit here right now and, and, and praise God because God opened the windows of, of heaven and, and I was able to... Um, land a new job here at the, at the end of June that I'm very happy with. And, and I just got to give credit to Jehovah Jireh because he gave another victory in the Sandberg family. Praise God. And, you know, God's no respecter of persons. He can open up windows for you also. And I just need to stop right now and, and pray for some people that are either unemployed or, or, or financially struggling. So if you could bow your heads. Father, I just thank you that during the time of seeking that you are their God in whom they can trust and have their confidence in. I thank you that you are their shield and their protection. I thank you that you are their ever-increasing reward and you desire to open up doors in their lives that no man can open. I thank you for the favor and wisdom to come upon them at the right place and at the right time. We praise you for opening the windows of heaven in their lives so that people can bless their families and honor you with their new job forthcoming. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read a little bit going into the New Testament about the windows of heaven and how it operates. In the book of Matthew, uh, we, we see a story of, of Peter. And in Matthew 16, it said, um, starting with verse 13, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say, John the Baptist, some Elijah, and other Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. 
But Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You know, when I, when I read this particular part of the story, I was just drawn to a, a, a phrase where it says, some say. You know, we, we, we live in a world where, where we're so influenced by a small minority because some say. Okay? What's God's word say? And we can't be influenced by people that are just some. We got to be influenced by God. And, you know, um, we, we, we see here where, where God, through his spirit, opened up to Peter to say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so as I, as I read on here and it says, and I, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he commanded the disciples that, that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Don't you think that was hard? You'd sit there and get revealed, and it's like, I want to just go out and tell everybody that Jesus. We can't tell anybody. You know why? Because I think what Jesus really, I, he wanted to see him show fruit. You'll know them by their fruit, okay? They wanted to know that you are people that were with Jesus. You are people that are connected to Jesus. And it's a great privilege that he gave to Peter to give, and give us the keys to the kingdom of heaven to present the gospel. That's, that's, that's a gift. You know, we don't look at it as a gift that we have something within us that we can share with others, to change their lives. Don't ever take that gift for granted. And we go on to read the story, and it says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him and said, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. You know, when, when the window of opportunity or the windows of heaven comes along, sometimes so does the adversary. And I don't think it's a good uh, idea to take Jesus aside to rebuke him, by the way. Not a good idea. And so when I, when I look at what Peter did here, Peter saw the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, but he failed to see the cross, Jesus' purpose to save us from our sins. You know, um, so in this story here, we see in one moment where Peter opened up the windows of heaven and the very next moment, we see Peter opening up the gateway of hell to prevent this purpose of God. And, and, and as I read this, I, I, I notice where Jesus said to Peter, but he addressed it to Satan in the passage. The resistance was from the spirit of Satan that Peter yielded to. You know, Ephesians 6.12 says, for we wrestle against flesh and blood, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers in the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness and wickedness in heavenly places. You know, we're we're fighting we're fighting a spiritual battle. You know, we have you know we're a we're a three part being. I mean I mean I mean we have we, we have a spirit and 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 we have a soul. And we have a, our body and and we're getting tugged. You know. By, by what the world is, of the flesh, and we're getting tugged by, by God and the Spirit, and we need to, we need to, to get a little closer to, to God and the Spirit, okay? When we let things in our flesh tug us, we're, 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 we're leaning in the wrong direction. And, and, and I know God's Word talks about us being well-balanced, but I tell you, when it comes to the, the things of God right now, I think you've got to lean more towards the Spirit. And, 
I was, I, I was reminded about a, um, a scripture in Exodus, just going back to the Old Testament here, um, in regards to Moses, it was found in Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. And it, it starts in verse 5 where it says, God called Moses from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place you stand is holy ground. And I'm just reminded in this scripture that about sandals. Sandals are something in Jesus' time that was a man-made item. And, you know, we, we need to be careful of the things that man makes versus the thing that God makes in our lives. And I'm also reminded how sandals are like our shoes and when we walk down the path of life, there's things that we pick up. There's things in our past that tend to get picked up on our shoes and get weighted down. And God was revealing to Moses, you need to, take, you, you need to put your past behind. You need to put the things that were man-made aside because the place I'm bringing you is to stand is going to be holy. And when you stand in the holy presence of God, it's important, first of all, that, that it, I'm reminded in Ephesians 16, 6, 13, where it says, therefore take upon the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, stand. Stand firm on the rock of the word of God. And be filled with his holiness. You know, there's, there's nothing, I, I, I really believe each Sunday when, when you think about what we do here with, with our praise and worship, it's always about breaking up that, we, we come with baggage, we come with ground that's a little hard and I think the praise and worship is able to break up that fallow ground so that we're ready to receive the seed of God's word. And we need to get those things broken up in our lives. Because we, you know, it's not just Pharaoh that was hard-hearted. We come in sometimes, we're hard-hearted. And God, God's, God's going to do a breaking, and it's, it's necessary to allow that seed to get put in our lives so that we can, we can receive what God has to share with us. We're not, we're not letting the baggage of, of our past weigh us down. God wants us free indeed. God wants us ready to receive. And that's what opening the windows of, of heaven is all about. It, it really is. It's, and, you know, it, if, if you read into the story, you know, Moses spent this time with God by the burning bush. But think about it. When he came down off that mountain, he had been in the presence and the holiness with God for so long that his face glowed. And it was probably the first time in the Bible where they talked about masks. They had to put a veil over his face because his face glowed so much. Can you imagine with what's going on today that our, we're so filled with God that this people would want the mask on our face because we glowed with the presence of God so much? Think about that. And we can be as close to God as we choose to be. You know, God desires to open up the windows of heaven and to pour up blessings. And I just wanted to quickly show you a little bit in review, but, but, I, but I just wanted to have it black and white, the, the keys to opening up windows. And the first one is connect with God and prune off the sin and unforgiveness in our lives. Noah shows us to have faith in God and the plans he has for you and your family despite of what others say. Daniel shows us to have a disciplined prayer life and believe God will protect you every step of the way. Malachi reminds us to return to God and be obedient. Peter shows us that God can speak through us through his inspired words, but if we let our guard down and lean to our own understanding, the enemy can also. 
Moses shows us we can enter God's presence, let go of our past, and stand on God's word. Trust God. God's in control. You know, with all this opening the windows of heaven, I'd be remiss if I didn't return to the point about connecting to God and putting your trust in him. Every one of us needs to put a do not enter sign in front of the gates of hell. There is an enemy of our soul that wants to kill, rob, and destroy the everlasting life that Jesus wants us to have. And in order to open up the windows, we need to walk through the door first of salvation. You know, Jesus stands at the door and waits patiently for us to knock and be invited into the kingdom of God. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. It's really that simple. We, we, we try to make it more complicated than that, but that's, you, you just need to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And I just would encourage you, uh, whether, whether you're here or online, I encourage you to bow your heads and just repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I thank you for your sending your son to come to earth to live the life I cannot live, to be an example that I could not achieve, to be the sacrifice of my sins. Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I ask you to be Lord of my life, and I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.